well, today's a good day because I'm sitting with a friend of mine and uh, we've been friends for a while and uh, we're actually in our house. So if there's a little bit of like external noise going on, <laughs> it's all our kids and grandkids running around outside. So My they're having a lot of fun and we're in here doing a podcast and having a chat. So the guy that I'm, I'm uh, referring to, Mr. Isaac Borquay, um, better known as Mr. Governor B. Hello. Um, <laughs> one of the most talented rappers I know and uh, one of the most amazing people I know as well. So uh, would you give it up for Mr. Governor B, everybody? Thank you, man. Good to be here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. I had to drive into the centre of Brighton earlier and I saw your daughter, Ruby. I uh, gave her a lift and she asked me, when did we actually first meet you? And I couldn't remember. Can you? Because I know it's been, what, definitely over five years. Yeah, I think, because I was thinking about today when we um, connected over the... Hands of Maple Working Hands was the Maple first Work. one. And yeah. um, we co-wrote a few songs, didn't we? Yeah. And that was in the little studio that I had in the house. And um, and that I think that was probably the first time. Oh, here's Anna. Sorry, we've got an interruption already. Oh, here she is. Hello. It's a very important <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. Um, and, and that was great fun because you had Jimmy in the studio. Uh, we were working on a few lyrics and melodies, weren't we? And that's probably when you first hung out with my kids anyway. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, studio was great. I think some of the features on that album, like Sam Henshaw, came down as well. But also to get a bit of a peek into how you write songs definitely improved what we did because I've always seen it as rap is it's just lyrics and flows but then approaching that from a songwriting perspective with your expertise that was definitely the album that kind of you know people respected oh, well, me I as a songwriter know. not I, just a rapper I don't know about that but I mean I think I mean you know more about this than I do but like say say the Jay-Z vibe mm. he he was definitely mixing those melodies wasn't he like the the, the sort of big yeah. big choruses what you'd call like sort of big pop choruses yeah and then the rap thing and that I've always liked that um, yeah he but, was quite ahead of the curve actually with that I think his first breakthrough single one of them hard knock life he had that it's a hard knock life yeah. for us and whoever hears that chorus they're straight in yeah um, but then he had really technical rap verses um, so yeah, just really clever in the way he approached music and made it, um, I don't know, just open to everyone, no matter what yeah, yeah. Would, genre would, you're into. Would he have been an influence on you when you were younger? Or who who were who the guys that would have, you'd, you'd have been listening to when you were sort of 12? He was very eclectic, because I grew up in a house that was playing a lot of gospel music, a lot of Motown. So my parents would play loads of like Kurt Franklin, Mary Mary, but then also... You know, Lionel Richie, Luther Vandross. And then when I got to 12, um, there was a rapper called Kano that lived in my area. Wow. And I saw him on MTV bass rapping and thought, oh, that's like a UK guy. Yeah. I could do that. And that's what really piqued my interest. But yeah. around that time, yeah, Jay-Z, Nas, a bit of Kanye West, um, Ludacris, a lot of Americans until I realised, oh, British people can rap too. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, we're getting way too ahead because I haven't even really introduced you properly yet and told told 
all these amazingly listeners who you are and how much you know what you've done but you've had two mobile awards three now three yeah one last year unbelievable uh extra points for that <laughs> uh, three urban music awards yep uh about 10 records you made now yeah is this number 10 or one yeah I mean, that's pretty amazing. Only two of them are good, though. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your own clothing brand. Yeah, Allo Mate. Allo Mate, I like. I've got a pair of Allo Mate socks, actually. You have? Which I, I do wear with pride on, on, <laughs> on particular occasions. Um, my favourite thing is you're a football, every, a football pundit every now and again for Sky TV. Yep. Which, when I see you up there on telly, I'm, I'm a proud, proud brother. <laughs> bit random in it oh it's brilliant though and it, but of course it's linked to you being a massive West Ham United fan yeah. so how, how did all that come about and then we'll talk about some music in a minute yeah grew up a West Ham fan my mate used to play for the youth team so I'd go along with him back then they did um tickets like they had this thing called kids for a quid so it's quite easy to go and then since then I've just been really vocal about my support and someone from Sky Sports, one of their head producers, followed me on Twitter and said, would you like to come on and chat about West Ham? So I went on and talked about, you know, players that I'd love for us to get in, in a transfer yeah. window. Did quite well. And then they kept inviting me on and then gave me a show to be on continuously, one called Good Morning Transfers. So every August and January, I'm on a transfer show. Um, if people saw our text messages, be quite funny because yeah. we're always going back and forth about Brighton and I know. West Ham. I know. Yeah, I, love, I love footy. I know. And I came to West Ham, didn't I, on the Brighton game. Oh, that you did? Didn't go to too well that day. Was that draw, guys. that game? No. Or did I you think, beat no, us? Br- Brighton whipped it, didn't they? Mate, we've got a weird thing again. You know, we've not beaten them in the Premier League in about, I don't think ever. That's so strange. Which is strange. Yeah. Uh, but Declan Rice is going though, isn't he, do you think? Uh, looks like it but my dream is that he thinks do you know what yeah. I love this club I'll stay another year <laughs> but it's unlikely I think he's off oh. have I ever told you my famous West Ham United story no I, I was actually a West Ham fan when I was like a kid because I lived in sort of north east London mm. and this guy used to take me to see West Ham on the bus and uh, semi-final of the FA Cup I reckon 1980 Right, I was probably 10, Trevor Brooking playing, you know, all that era. And West Ham got a penalty in the like 89th minute. Ray Stewart comes up, takes the penalty. And the, and I was in the crowd behind the goal and the whole crowd surged forward. Mate. This is the original West Ham ground. Yeah. And a policeman uh, pulled me out and stood me at the side of the goal <laughs> on what? the pitch. I know. What, because you getting t- crushed? Yeah, I was getting crushed. And and anyway, the penalty went in and I was actually on the pitch. Oh my days. So amazing, isn't it? If that, was, was, if that happened today, you'd be on match of the day. I was forever. Yeah, I'd have my own Instagram account. I'd be going viral now. <laughs> the kid at the side of it. <laughs> but my question is to you, how can you experience something like that and not still be a West Ham fan? It's a really good question. Because I moved, I moved away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm geographical. <laughs> um, but um, oh, amazing, isn't it? So anyway, going back to like music, right? Because mm. that's who you are, really. It's in your blood, isn't it? Um, you were talking about UK rap stuff, and then what? What do you reckon the difference is between the UK scene and the American scene? Because 
there's there's so many brilliant things about both, right? Yeah, I think they're both an expression of what they see. So, hip hop in America started off as a bit of a like a cultural movement. It was um, music of expression, music of power. Um, started in the streets with like beatbox culture and dance. It was like a whole this is us, this is who we are. And I think the UK, maybe in the early years, tried to emulate that, mm. but they didn't have the same lived experience. Yeah. Um, but when I was going through kind of secondary school, it's like 2010 times, I started to see a lot of British rappers start talking about where they're from in their own style, using their own language and slang. Yeah. And that's when it felt like, from my perspective anyway, it started to build like a lot more of its own identity. Um, and that's when it started to go massive, really. So I think that's probably a lesson in that somewhere where yeah. if you try and emulate and copy without having the authentic, you know, experience of what it is, it might not go as far as if you're just true to yourself and you talk about the things that are true to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. The accent's a big thing, though. Yeah. Because I don't know if there's a UK artist, rapper, that's really broken america for example there's been people that have done well but i don't know if the accent is too different it's interesting isn't it it's like a genre that it wrapped up around that accent as well isn't it yeah um a little bit like country music yeah you you, you know if you if you sang country music songs in an east london accent <laughs> it would just be a bit weird <laughs> wouldn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know but maybe maybe that we should get onto that maybe that'd be a thing try it because it's yeah it is interesting because it's different with pop isn't it because obviously you've got like Adele Ed Sheeran huge crossover Sam Smith done well over there yeah Coldplay but yeah certain genres Coldplay yeah but but there there's a difference sonically though isn't there because mm. to me the um you know all that stuff like Chance Rapper Jay-Z yeah. you know Kendrick Lamar it's sonically mm yeah more pop really yeah um and yet the uk stuff seems more when i say lo-fi i don't mean like less quality it's just more grungy yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. It? it's it's grimier yeah um or maybe we're just used to the american stuff so that sound i don't know maybe resonates a bit more because there are artists over here that have tried to go the mainstream route the earliest I can remember from my era was Tiny Temper with songs like Pass Out where he tried to make it a bit more pop yeah. leaning yeah. and done quite well. But yeah, I do find it's grittier yeah. uh, with a lot of artists over here. Do you, think, like. um, do you think everybody copies America? Like, do you think every genre? Because when you said that about the UK guys and made me mm. think about maybe a little bit more in my world, like writing... Yeah. Songs for Sunday morning in church. Yeah. So many of those massive songs come out of America. Yeah. Out of Nashville. And it feels like for the last 15 years, we've all been trying to copy that. Hmm. But mate, but you, the thing is we copy and you don't ever do it as well, do you? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not... I can only really talk about British hip-hop and, and grime. And I know it definitely went through that that stage but I actually think when it comes to creativity and ideation we actually don't have an issue just being true to ourselves but maybe because America is just a huge 
machine. Yeah. If you know something works over there, you're probably quite enticed to try and see if you can have a go. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like with like Coldplay, for example, do you think that in their early days they were trying to emulate an American sound or were they authentically them from the start? Oh, wow. Because for me, they just scream like we're British and, and they're huge, right. aren't they? Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. But just the brilliant melodies. Yeah, so I think I think I think an amazing melody is the is the always opens doors globally, doesn't it? Mm. You know that always translates wherever. Um, but yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Seeing seeing what they've done. But um, tell us about your upbringing, because people be really interested to know. Like, I know you're a London boy, but yeah, how what you know what was that like? I loved it to be honest. So my mum and dad came over to England from Ghana in their early twenties, had me and my younger brother, he's six years younger than me, and we grew up in an area called Custom House, which is in East London, on a council estate. And on our estate there were quite a lot of working class English people, but also quite a lot of first generation Brits. So people like me, who were the first person in their family to be born in England but their parents are from Africa or the Caribbean or other parts of Europe. Mm. But in a weird way, because we were all different, that's like the thing that united us. Yeah. It's like everyone's different. And in a way that makes us all the same. And so I loved it. I know that, you know, council estates, working class communities probably get a bad rep because of the poverty, which births other things like antisocial behavior and violence and that kind of stuff. But it did feel like I was part of a family and I didn't feel like I lacked anything even though I was working class. Like there was thankfully the bed to sleep in, food on the table. It wasn't actually until I was older, like early 20s, that I realised how much my parents had to sacrifice yeah. to make that happen. But when you're actually young and just living, going about your daily life, yeah. you know, as long as I'm loved, then I've got food on the table and bed to sleep and I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when when did you... What age were you when you thought, I'm into this thing called music? About 15, I used to battle battle rap in the playground (laughs) as a joke, saying some stuff that you'd probably tell me off about. (laughs) Not very nice things about people's mothers. (laughs) But I was really good at it. Uh, And I started to build a bit of a name for myself in my local area. Hmm. But then my youth leader at the church I was going to, he heard one of my songs on MySpace and I was like effing and blinding. And he was like, what are you doing? This is, this is not you. Yeah. And he challenged me to write a, an album for my youth group. And there was about 80 people in my youth group. So I said, yeah, fine. Started writing about, you know, exploring faith, more positive themes. Did a little album launch and about 800 people turned up. And I guess that's when I realized that oh, maybe God's doing something yeah. with this. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, so, you know, you, you've grown up as a church kid you know your your faith in god is central in your life Mm. um and you're now becoming a rapper but of course that whole genre is um a little bit like rock and roll is like it's rebellion isn't it yeah that's sort but and then when i think of the rap genres i would think of sort of like it's an an anger thing you Mm. know it's against the machine it's against the world again but then you're you're almost sort of singing, talking about songs of hope. Mm. 
you know how does that work how's that worked <laughs> out for you uh i think i definitely it was something that i thought about a lot when i started felt like a bit of a loner because you know from 12 years old growing up on hip-hop music that's where i felt like i belonged but the subject matter i couldn't always relate to because i was trying to live a different life and so the only person that i could think of that i could semi-relate to at the time was a guy that my youth leader told me about called Lecrae, who we both know. Yeah. And I was like, ah, cool. I see this. He's like a Christian. He's talking about his faith, but he also loves hip hop. And that was the only example that I had. So we talk about, you know, copying and emulating. Yeah. That's who I was trying to emulate. Um, but I think on reflection, that wasn't really me either. Um, there's a way that I could have done it. Um, that was a bit more authentic. Mm. So from a foundation of faith, but talking about wider subject matters than J-E-S-U-S, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And there's some songs where it was, you know, right that I, I spoke about that. But then I also probably could have spoken to other issues from a slightly different angle, mm. you know. So I could have spoke about violence, but just from a Christian standpoint, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was the Kanye West Jesus Walk song yeah. that kind of opened my mind up a bit um, and it started from there. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But I mean, the you know, we, we've talked in the past about like, you know, church church kids, you know, like, you know, they're everywhere in music, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you're one of them, I'm one of them. Um, there's lots of, bands in the mainstream out there that have come out of church mm. you know but it's, it feels like that we've talked about like the f-bomb thing <laughs> yeah it's like if you if you if you really want to like make it you just got every now and again drop the f-bomb in yep. your in your lyrics and then mm. it's like oh yeah he's he's yeah we know he's like a christian in church but he's cool like he's yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah um, but you've never done that and you know, I remember you saying, well, that just wouldn't be true to you because it's just not, I don't really talk like that. Mm. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I think that's amazing because, you, you know, you're being yourself. But, you know, what I've loved about seeing you over the years is, but the content has got grittier, though. Like it's got, yeah. you've, you've got bolder and like talking about all the things that maybe we would talk about off the record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Church, race, money, mm. royalties, fame, record companies, fest you know, we talk about this yeah. off a podcast. But, but, yeah, but you're now you're now having the 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 sort of boldness to bring that into your music. I think it's brilliant. Thanks, man. I think a couple of things contribute to that. The the first one is I never actually wanted to be a musician or a rapper or make music. So the idea of like making it wasn't something that ever really appealed to me. Obviously, I'd love to be able to provide for my family mm. and live an okay life. Um, but yeah, I've never had this dream to like be some super famous rapper that tours all over the world, sells out arenas. It'd be nice if it happened, yeah. but um, that's not me. And so I haven't felt the need to drop the F-bomb when it's not true to who I am. Yeah. Um, so that's helped. And the second thing in terms of being bolder is like as you know i've done so many youth events and tried to make music that young people could 
vibe to and be inspired. Yeah. And I realised that I was just writing like really fun, happy songs, which there's nothing wrong with, but they'd jump up and down and then they wouldn't really listen to me after that. They'd have like a really good youth night, yeah. but they're not going home and really connecting with the songs. And so I thought, well, I'm growing and I'd love the people that like me to grow with me. Yeah. So why don't I just talk about what God's doing in my life yeah. a bit more and in my life. I'll have questions about race. I have questions about church life. I have questions about anxious thoughts. Yeah. Let me start talking about these things. And if it's not happy enough for the youth groups, that's cool. Cause there's, <laughs> there's loads of artists that yeah. can do that, but yeah, I'm yeah. at a different stage of life, you know? Yeah. And, and like you, you, you know, you're married now, you've got a couple of kids Yeah. <laughs> and that changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, and, exactly. And so, yeah, you, you don't stop growing. And I mean, tell me how, you know, tell me, you're married to an amazing woman, Emma. Yeah, she's great. Um, how long have you married? You know, tell us about the, the kids and stuff. Oh, mate. I hate when people ask me about dates and stuff. And I've got to try and remember. <laughs> roughly, I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> We've been together nearly 10 years. Married for seven. Got a three and a half year old called Ezra. A four month old called Hallie. Um, and yeah, Emma's, Emma's great, man. She's like the big gift from God. And... Yeah, we love it. We love building a family together. Um, at the moment, what we're finding challenging is, I don't know what you were like, you got quite a few kids, but the second ones, it's just not the same dynamic. So then it's how do you, you know, balance all the stuff God might be doing through your work and ministry versus being present at home and communication is not my strong point as well. So <laughs> just navigating all that stuff, man. So yeah, yeah, man, it's quite, well, it's quite tough. That's why we love you guys because... You know what I mean? You've been there, done that, seen it all. No, it's always we, helpful we haven't to know. been there, done it. We're right in the middle of it. <laughs> c communication. I'm, I'm fine talking like this with you, but somehow <laughs> communication with, in the, the small details of everyday life seem to elude me at times. And Where do you, are you like? Are you kind of person that's got a hundred things running through your mind at once? So it's it's hard to communicate that all or find the time or yeah, I, yeah, don't yeah. I'm probably like you, like your brain, like. I've got music running through my yeah. brain the whole time. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I've got to park that at some point And then, yeah. right, okay, right, I've got to fill in this school form <laughs> for a French trip. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I need to, like, I've got to copy the passport, send it into the teacher, and then it's, like, 30 euros spending money. And then yeah. my brain is exploding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've got all that to look forward to. But, um, no, but it's a joy being married and, like, you know you guys are amazing and um that's that is a gift though in it to us mm. like because we've got all the music thing going on but then we we come home to people and you know it's what makes it all right and that yeah it is good man just want to um steward it and navigate it navigate it well man yeah yeah because it's quite counter-cultural because in the worlds that i'm in a bit like you i might be at that big christian festival one day other day i might be playing in a club and all the other artists that I'm with outside of a Christian context, mm. uh, I hope it's not stereotypical of me to say, but they don't have that same, a lot of them want and need to mm. like also be a family man and be present and that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I'm always trying to navigate that. And yeah. Well, the music's the easy bit, isn't it? Yeah. Because that, that is in our blood. That's our passion. The The family bit, you know, especially being a dad, that, that's the work, isn't it? It is, like, I mean, it's a joy. 
Yeah. But it, it's it's a you know it's a commitment. It's like work. It's like I have got to put the hours in here if I want to if I want to be friends with my kids when they're older. I've actually got to be around and like really like do this well. I see. Um, and and getting on stage seems like the easy bit now. Yeah, you're you know? so right, man. Funny thing, the other day I had a club show in Lincoln, and the promoter was like, oh, I had a look at your rider, and it just screams family man. <laughs> He was like, there's no wet alcohol wipes. in there. <laughs> wet wipes, water. Nappy bags. Yeah. It's, so, it's rock and roll, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I've got hundreds of stories on the road of oh, car seats. Oh, anyway, yeah. we won't go there now. But um, I'm, I've been listening to um, your records again over the last few days, you know, in, in view of talking to you. And amazing, again, just seeing the growth, like, mm. from when we first spoke i reckon that was maybe 2017 i remember exactly yeah. where i was when when we mm. and we were both encouraging other each other but i was just like okay gov like you know let out what's in there like mm. and it feels like these last three records um have been exactly that mm. and i was listening again to everywhere and nowhere you know, lyrics like talking about guest tickets, your mortgage. <laughs> I'm half a rapper, half a worship leader. <laughs> what am I? Um, and I, I, I love it that, that, that that's all in there, you know, because it's, it's like real stuff. And then on the brand new record, um, you know, the first song you put on, put out, you know, the, the Bridgeland Road. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty heavy. Mm. Um, and I know there's a pretty serious story behind that, which you know, you know, you know. I'd love you to talk about that, really. Yeah, sure. Um, so that was inspired by um, attack an attack that I faced in my local area. I just come back from the coffee shop trying to get into my car, and there was three white guys surrounding it that basically wouldn't let me get in. So I gently brushed past them, and then within the space of ten seconds, one of them ended up throwing coffee in my face and punching me um, and then I called the police they came the guys have had already made off and this is broad daylight um, in a decent area mm. you know quite middle yeah. class and stuff like that just shouldn't happen and some of the line of questioning from the police just made me feel though as though society hasn't maybe progressed as much as mm. we thought it might have maybe it has in like a there's no well a lot less blatant racism so like i can walk down the street and not be called the n-word yeah but just because people have learned what not to say doesn't mean that it's changed their innermost prejudices yeah um and so it's really hard to like grapple with and navigate and also because the police couldn't find who did it i didn't get that sense of closure um, and that's where music's actually been really yeah. helpful. Um, I think at the start of my career, I did it because I just loved music and really enjoyed it. And the last few years, last three albums specifically, another one about my dad, Hands Are Made For Working, then Everywhere and Nowhere, talking more about how I feel a bit isolated and don't really know where I'm going. And then this one about the attack, just felt like it's been real like therapy. Yeah. for me in a way and quite freeing as well as 
blessing other people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has felt brave. People that you have encouraged me because I guess I always thought that with Christian music, you've got to like put a bow on everything and just it's got to land in a happy place and a hopeful place, which hopefully it does because mm. I'm optimistic. I think with Jesus in my life, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and always something I can hope for. But I do think as Christians, it'll be great for us to get better at like keeping the tissues up a bit longer and just sitting in that uncomfortable space and allowing God to meet us in it. Yeah. I mean, you're writing Psalms really, aren't you? Because mm. if you really read the Psalms, they're pretty grim in places. Mm. You know, literally, God, where where are you? You've you've forgotten about me. Yeah. Um, you've deserted me. Where are you? I thought I thought you were there for me. And and so that is that that is not you know, it goes on to be hopeful, but Yeah. I suppose that's that's the great thing still about the album format, isn't it? That the sort of ten song thing about music where you you take people on a journey through ten songs is that you know at the end, yeah, you want to shed a bit of light. Yeah. Bring a bit sure. of hope. But that's harder in it's getting harder and harder, isn't it? That, <laughs> in the streaming world now. Yeah, no, it is, man. I was chatting to someone about this the other day. I'm so excited about the album coming out with the hope that enough people are going to listen front to back. Yeah. But in these days, I don't know if people do. They just pick out the singles that stand out to them or features that they might like. But yeah, I still put it out in the same way. And I think it's important to tell the story. And hopefully, I'm an album person. I love albums, man. I'm not really a singles guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully people take it in. But I, I, um, people are going to love the new record mm. when it comes out, and you know the whole record. And the the thing that startled me about when you sent, you know, the, the artwork was, you know, your eye cut, and mm. I mean, I just like, I couldn't believe it. I, I just, but I love it all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's not what you expect from a a record that's coming from the church genre, I say. No, uh, go on the front with his eye cut and talking about that incident with those guys just ignorance isn't it arrogance ignorance mm. and you know I was just so sorry about that and so gutted you know um, and you're right you, you, you can't bring closure to it but when you get on stage somehow like yeah, you, man. You, you can channel like that yeah that, that that's the righteous anger isn't it yeah so exactly like, maybe so maybe anger is okay yeah i think as long as you navigate it in a healthy way then it is obviously if you can't channel it in the right way it can become quite toxic um but learning that god is still god within this and he can hold my hand through it is really important and i don't know i think it's important to prepare people for pain and that life might not go their way all the time because when I became a Christian so yeah that life's going to be amazing that God is good and that is all true but they kind of left out the detail of <laughs> it's going to be tough sometimes you know and I want my album to tell people that yeah it's going to be tough sometimes but God is still good and there's there's hope yeah and I love it that you know you, you know your dad passed away didn't he a few mm. years back now and that's all in the music and even on the new one you're referencing your mm. dad because you know like it's not you don't just get over it do you you know it's no. it's just a forever yeah 
I think that's the mistake I made um, out of having not lost anyone super close to me up until that point is I kind of saw grief as like a bit of a mountain I have to climb and eventually I'll get to the mountain top and it'll be all right. But I think it's just always there, man. Sometimes it's a loud voice. Sometimes it's a quiet voice. Sometimes it's happy thoughts. Sometimes it's really tough thoughts. Um, But in a way, I I changed my mind. I don't ever want to get over it, man, because I like remembering my dad. I like, you know, his legacy always being there. I like talking to my kids that he's never met about him and, I think it'd be kind of a shame if if I got over it and never spared him a thought, you know. Yeah, and and you've written a book, haven't you? A kid's book with yeah. Emma. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. So that's the first project that we've worked on together because we get quite annoyed with each other when we're working together because <laughs> we've got different working styles. So I'm like a bit of a, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Go with the flow. Creativity will come. She's a planner. Um, so I'm really proud of us. Yeah, we've what's done it called? It together. It's called Where Granddad Lives, and it's brilliant. A way to keep the legacy of a loved one alive, and also help young children through their grief journey yeah. in a way that doesn't feel super heavy. Yeah. So yeah, excited about that coming out. Oh, so good, so good. So you got the new record coming out. When when does the actual whole record drop? Uh, so probably by the time people have heard this, maybe it's on May 26th. Okay. 2023 um and thanks to you as well i don't know how honest you are with your listeners but martin runs a publishing company that very kindly partnered with me and the reason why i mention that actually is because you know when you're writing about braver topics maybe that isn't often spoken about on a sunday morning one thing that makes that easier is other christians (laughs) coming alongside you and saying, yeah, I think that's a good idea and encouraging you. Because, yeah. mate, it would be a lonely road <laughs> otherwise. So, it's, yeah, it's great to be involved oh, with, I mean, with Glowworks, man. It's been a dream for me because, um, you know, you because you, you, like you hinted in your music, you sort of live in that middle space, don't you? You're, you're not really a church music guy. Mm. You're not really, you're probably not going to be um, you know, you're not going to be chance. Yeah, yeah, no. But you, you're somewhere in the middle. You're English. You're, you, you know, you you've got a heart for both sides, mm. um, and so that makes you probably a bit awkward, a bit lonely, prophetic. If I can use that word, mm. you're living in a sort of an unusual middle space. Yeah. And so yeah, you do you do need a team around you that kind of I have some sort of empathy for that, you know. Hundred percent. So the when I feel isolated and lonely, that's obviously quite tough. But I think the other side and the real advantage is that I genuinely feel at home in a lot of places. So at church I feel at home. In a club I feel at home. When Stormzy's on the same bill, I feel at home. When Matt Redmond, Martin Smith's on the same bill, I feel at home as well. So that's the advantage of it. The other side, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is is there ever gonna be a Stormzy collab, do you reckon? Uh, we're working on it at the moment. I um, opened up for him at his Christmas concert yeah. and he said some some nice words, which I didn't actually know how he felt about, you know, what we do. But he, he said something along the lines of, you know, I have more respect for you guys because you're where I want to be. You're living the life and you're being really vocal about your faith. Wow. And it's interesting because yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think that they... 
they thought of that, you know, so it was good to hear. Isn't that amazing? Because ev- everyone wants what someone else has got, haven't they? Exactly. You yeah. always want that thing, and yeah. then you realise what's in your own hands sometimes is, wow, like, you know, and you've yeah. been doing this long enough. Getting on now, mate. Yeah. Getting on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, people do respect you, and they do look in and go, well, look, he's been around long enough, he's, he's you know, he's kept the course, he's stayed true to who he is. Um, and, and that is something to be admired, isn't it? And, and in the end, people gravitate towards that. So mm. that would be amazing. I mean, I can't wait for that. We'll see, man. We'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful to God because especially with music these days, in the streaming era and the singles era, it's really hard to have like a career that's longer than a couple of years. Yeah. So to still be going um, is great. You probably, how long have you been going now for? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this, this, is, this is about you. Um, so, um, okay, so like we, we're probably like, I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, you and I could talk well, all night. Well, this is what we do all the time, yeah. We could talk all night because yeah. there's stuff I'd love to talk, well, maybe do it again about like, you know, the church scene, music, creativity, diversity, or, or mm. you know, whatever all those things mean. I'd like, we'll do another one, you know, like yeah. about exploring that. But um, because all of our kids are playing in the garden and we've got some Indian food coming as well. So Result. We, this is going to be the night of our life. But anyway, <laughs> five years time. Yeah. Where, where do you think you'd be and what, what in your mind does success look like? Yeah, for me, the the basic definition of success, the way I look at it, is doing the best I can, being the most productive with the tools that God has given me. And if that means I'm doing 100 capacity venues in five years' time, then great. If it means I'm doing 20,000, then that's also great. But in terms of vision and what I'd love to see and what I think God might be um, speaking to me about, is similar to the way that with hip-hop you had to have not just Jay-Z by himself but you had to have Jay-Z, you had to have Nas, you had to have Tupac, you had to have Biggie. With Grime you had to have Skepta, you had to have Wiley, um, JME, Kano. I want there to be um, Christian artists that are foundationally Christian but are comfortable in the space that isn't fully Sunday service or isn't fully Glastonbury. So you could have a Martin Smith putting out great records Governor B putting out great records Michael Kiwanuka a Griff and there to be such a movement of all of us that Mm. don't necessarily fit into one of these boxes but we're still comfortable in all these boxes collaborating working together and showing people that there's nothing wrong with your faith being foundational to your life and just making great art Um, and I think it's starting to happen but I would love there to be a lot more connection between all of us and collaboration because yeah. I think something special could come out of it yeah yeah it's real movement you know yeah Ama- amazing but I mean I, I just think that sky's the limit is for mm. you I think expect everything um, you know you, you're on a good label now you, you've you got mm. the great team behind you uh, that, and you know when this new record drops and yep. like you say it might have dropped already um, I cannot wait to listen to that top to bottom Thanks, mate. In my car. And, um, but yeah, thanks for being on the Martin Smith podcast today. And, you know, you're an amazing guy, you're a friend, and we totally believe in you. 
and uh, it's been really amazing to talk to you today so thanks for coming on thanks mate appreciate it and if everyone if anyone doesn't know Martin Smith is one of the most humble people I know <laughs> he hasn't even got any of his plaques off on these these walls if, if I had as many uh, hits as yeah. he did and Anna won't let me put any stuff up it's, oh, all, is it's it? all in the garage isn't it you still got yeah. more to come man still got more to come Governor B everyone easy does she genuinely not let you put stuff that's like Emma I have to put all my stuff in the office yeah just don't I want know. it in the house yeah I don't want any of that spoiling <laughs> my <laughs> brilliant nice one, mate. that was a good chat yeah